I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have Anissa Asabi. I did it. I did it. You I got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. She's a pro. Yeah, I'm a pro. I'm, I'm good at this. But that's not, it's not about me. It's about Anissa. We're talking about her book, Finding Chaz with a Z. Get that right. And Anissa grew up as a Middle Eastern girl in an all-white community, which sounds super fun. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the book. And we're going to talk about her dog, who is a German shepherd named Anubis, which I'm just really excited about. Anissa, <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Okay. Burning first question. No, I'm not going to ask about the dog first. I, I want That's to. That's fine. You can. <laughs> Shelly's job. No, my first question is, so you kind of pitched this to us as talking about identity. And mm-hmm. yet your book is talking about identity, but maybe not in a super direct way. So why identity? Tell us the story of growing up a Middle Eastern girl in an all-white community and how that sh- shaped how you write. Yeah. I mean, the topic of identity is kind of interesting for me because it's really fluctuated as I've gotten older. When I think about my relationship with it when I was younger, I was very much, I'm American, full stop, you know, not really wanting to delve into my heritage or like how I felt different from my peers. But as I've gotten older, I've, you know, learned to embrace it and kind of be proud of my heritage and then want to impart what I've learned as a young adult onto teenage girls and boys who might be feeling the way I did when I was their age. And that's kind of where my writing comes in and how I decided to write a narrator who has the same heritage as I do. But I got the impression from the blurb about the interview was you didn't make it very overt. You just made it as like part of the story. So could you share a little bit about how you weave that in? For sure. When I thought about it, I was like, you know, all the books that I've read that have a non-white main character, that's like such a huge part of the plot. But in my case, it's like, I didn't want it to be a huge part of the plot. I just wanted it to be something that was so natural. You know what I mean? It's like, there are characters and and people who are experiencing everyday struggles that may or may not be related to their identity. And so they they should be able to have a story, a coming of age story, just like everybody else. And so that's kind of where that came in. I definitely feel like we're seeing a trend toward that idea of a person can be, insert category here, without that being everything about them. Exactly. Uh I really like that. Thank you. Yeah. As you explored that question, uh, did you come up against anything where you had to rethink your own approach or anything where you're like, ooh, that bothered me more than I thought it would writing about it or thinking back on it? Um, Yeah. I mean, in the original draft of Finding Chaz that I started when I was 13 or 14, the narrator, (laughs) it took took a while to get here. But the main character, she wasn't Iranian. She wasn't Middle Eastern. It was kind of ambiguous when I wrote it. And that's kind of what my headspace was like at the time. And then when I came back to it as a 20, 21-year-old during the pandemic, I was like, you know, I want to I want to change that. I want to make it more reflective of the experiences that I had. So we see Roxy's journey. You know, she is experiencing the everyday 
struggles of a 15-year-old girl growing up in the 2000s. But then we hear kind of like some of her inner monologue is how she feels different from the girls that she goes to school with. There's like one particular scene where she's like, girls who wear cowboy boots and are homecoming queen and don't have to use an entire pot of wax like on their eyebrows every week. (laughs) And every time I read that, I smile because I just remember exactly what that feels like. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. So tell us a little bit about the book. Is it, uh, it's young adult, mm-hmm. fiction, any kind of genre particularly? Yeah, it's a contemporary coming of age story. It is targeted to young adults, but some of the most positive feedback I've received has been like from people in their 30s and 40s, surprisingly. So it really is a story for everybody. It's a coming-of-age story, diverse cast of characters, like in every sense of the word, growing up in like rural America in the 2000s. So we kind of get a lot of stories like interweaving in one, which I think is really fun. Yeah, I'm no longer surprised by how many adults bring young adult. I mean, I do as well. And yeah. <laughs> it's a big thing. I mean, it's just a, a type. I mean, there's still great books in young adults. <laughs> I totally agree. It's such a fun age and... I don't know. Some of my favorite books of all time are like in that young adult category. So I wanted to kind of create something that everybody could relate to, like the high school experience. What, when you look around at other books that maybe have Middle Eastern protagonists or more likely, because let's be honest, a secondary character that somebody (laughs) threw in there for diversity's sake, what bugs you? What do you want to be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there's so many tropes about every race or ethnic group. Mm -hmm. And I would say like the overbearing parents, like the super strict overbearing parents or the religious component, they're Muslim. But for Roxy, she's that's not exactly her experience. For one thing, the Middle Eastern parent that she has is her dad and he's passed away in the story. So we're kind of watching her navigate her identity without having that parent present, which I think is a really unique take on it. She's not religious, but she does have like a strong moral compass and she's really just figuring her stuff out. She's kind of pushed to one side at school. She's coping with the grief of losing her dad. She's not doing well in school. So there's kind of like a landslide of things on her plate when we first meet her. So her identity just kind of is one of those things. And it's interesting to see how her brother, Nick, who is 18, so he's three years older than her, sees their identity versus how she does. And that's an interesting thing to, to see as well, their dynamic. So you get it from both genders mm-hmm. going through it. So we talked about Roxy. You just mentioned Nick. Who the heck is Chaz? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good question. <laughs> so Chaz starts out as the antagonist of the story. He's basically that creepy kid that harasses girls, gets away with it. Nobody likes him. You know, he's just a disaster. Why does he get to be in the title? Because Chaz Chaz has a whole redemption arc. And that's why I love this story so much is because we get, we see second chances. We see the opportunity for growth. Even like the most disgusting creatures might not be the way that we perceive them. And that's definitely the case for Chaz. And we kind of see how Roxy is able to push her hatred aside and forgive and really kind of have that, like just goodness of her heart, forgiveness, growing up, all of those factors come into play. And we realize that Chaz is struggling with things that we 
can't imagine that he would have been struggling with when we first meet him. Okay. So is there more in Roxy's future or are you working on a different concept? Um, right now I actually have an outline for the second book of Finding Chaz. It's not titled yet. Well, we found Chaz, so. <laughs> Chaz has been found. <laughs> now we have to find somebody else. It's like Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we get, to, we get to delve a lot deeper into these characters in the second installment, and I'm really excited for that because uh, there's a lot of story left to be told, I feel like. Excellent. So you're writing the story with this redemption arc. Do you see a parallel to that, like, being judged, being misunderstood, and then somebody coming to accept you or finding a way forward? Do you see a parallel to that and to the experience of being a Middle Eastern person in the United States? Because I feel like there's a lot of marginalization, a lot of jumping to conclusions Mm -hmm, that some mm -hmm. do. Are you writing from experience there? Or was this just that experience of being a young person and finding yourself and that sort of second chance? I would say a little bit of both. When I describe these characters, I think we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but I like to think of each of them as an onion with so many layers. And at the beginning, we see these kids, these characters, and some of them might appear to be just like a stereotypical thing. And then as the layers start coming off, we realize there's so much more to each of their their personalities and their who they are than we would have seen at a first glance. And that's definitely the case for Roxy, but it's also the case for Chaz. It's the case for her best friend, Hannah, and for Cece, who they befriend along the way. And you know she ends up teaching them a lot about life. So it's kind of like this symbiotic relationship between each of the characters And they are a diverse cast of characters, but that's not just why they bring something to the table. It's really just all of them coming together and feeding off of each other in a positive way. And I think that is the only way that we will be able to overcome stereotypes and any sort of racism is by learning from each other. And that's what we see in Finding Chaz. Was there some reason you decided to take it back up after all these years? I had encouragement from family. I had time during the pandemic. And it was like a story that never really left my mind. I wrote it when I was young. So aspects of it were kind of juvenile, but the bones of it were really good. And I thought, how perfect to kind of marry lived experience with authentic, raw feeling that I wrote when I was the age of the characters. And, you know, it took a lot of work, but I think the end result is something really unique where you kind of see that fusion of the lived experience and the authenticity. So when we start talking about lived experience, the question becomes how much of it is real things that happened or real people in your life and how much of it, I mean, we're already getting the sense that Roxy and you have some overlap as kids. Oh, for sure. So what else in there that have you pulled ripped from the headlines in real life? (laughs) Just give it a new name too. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I think any writer is going to pull from people that they know. I think you have to be somewhat of an observer to create worlds and to create characters. A a lot of it is purely fictional, loosely based. The relationship between the main character, Roxy, and her brother, Nick, is uh, most of it, 
at least like their conversations and dynamic is directly a mirror of my brother and I. We're extremely close. Yeah. (laughs) He's like my biggest supporter. He was the one who really like lit the fire under me to pick this book back up as well. I was going to say, what is, how does he feel about how he's portrayed in the book? <laughs> he's a good sport. Like, <laughs> he loves it. But the other characters are, you know, more imagined. They're more like me sitting back being like, hmm, this person's interesting. I want to pull this aspect of their personality and, and throw them in a story. So that's a bit more loosely based, but definitely Roxy's inner monologue, a lot of it is going to be honest, she's a bit of a self-insert character. And and yeah, like I said, the dynamic between her and her brother, I don't think it would be very difficult to write from like pure imagination. It's heavily influenced by my personal relationship with him. So what do you think is going to happen in the next book? Is it like off to college perhaps or? No spoilers. (laughs) No spoilers. Okay. I'll keep it simple. It picks up pretty much immediately where the book leaves off because let's be honest, I wanted to write like a thousand pages of the book. <laughs> I had to cut it where I did so people wouldn't get annoyed with me. But it picks up pretty much exactly where they left off. We're going to have some new characters coming in. We're going to have more of an exploration of Roxy and her feelings about herself and more of that identity coming into play. It's going to take a bit more of a center stage than it did in Finding Chaz. We're going to explore her relationship with the boy that she likes, and she's going to realize maybe there's some things about him that she's not so enamored by. And we're going to have to see him work a little bit to prove why he's worthy of her. And we're going to see how her brother deals with her kind of foray into dating. And then there's Chaz. (laughs) So Chaz is going to kind of explore his identity a bit more. Chaz, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. No, nope, no spoiling. <laughs> okay, no spoilers, no spoilers. As, as long as we're not dating Chaz, it's fine. No, Chaz is not, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so you you spent many years thinking about this story, putting the story together, and then you decided to independently publish. So why did you make that decision? Um, There were a couple reasons. The first one, I reached out to luckily live in a place where there's a big creative community. So I had resources. I reached out to somebody who is a published author, traditionally published, and I was asking her about querying and what to know, what to avoid, all of that kind of stuff. And right off the bat, she was like, your book is way too long for the genre. Like it's a hundred and 55,000 words or something like that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's long. (laughs) Now, have you kept it that long? I did. I I did. And anybody who has read the book has said that that was the right decision because there's no other way to tell the story, you know, in my opinion. But she was like, it'll have to be cut down to around 100,000 words. And I was like, well, that's impossible. You know, so I I thanked her for her time and I started thinking, I was like, is querying something that I even want to do now that I know this? And I also thought about like my own relationship with my writing and I'm thinking, okay, do I want to lose creative control over things like the cover, what stays in, what goes out? And I started researching more about self-publishing because initially I didn't want to do it. But as I learned more, I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? (laughs) So I kind of had like a full 180 on my viewpoint on self-publishing and Mm. indie books and all of that. So now I'm like a huge fan. I'm so glad that I did it that way. 
because you're kind of in control of your own destiny as an author and, and you can kind of just focus on what goes in the book instead of like everything else. So what, what path did you take? Did you do a lot of outsourcing of things like book cover and editing? What did you do for your choices on those things? Yeah, I hired a, a team of people who specialize in like helping you do all of that. So they like put together a package for me, but it was not a hybrid situation. It was just having an editor, having somebody help me with the cover. I had a friend do the art on it. So I had direct pipeline to to her. She did a beautiful job. She like completely encapsulated Chaz's personality and energy. I love it. <laughs> he's kind of creepy. Oh, he's yeah. definitely creepy. I'm looking for right now and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's creepy, but we, we learn why. Don't okay. count him out, even though you're going to hate him at the beginning. Like, don't count don't him out right judge away. Chaz. Even though Chaz everybody would judge heart. him. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I had like total control over it. And that was one of my favorite aspects for sure. Because I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's great to be able to do all that. Definitely. So you didn't do any of like the formatting and stuff the team that you hired did all that for you? Um, I did a lot of the editing and formatting like by myself before I even turned it over to them just so that I could kind of it, it was like in tip-top shape, at least as tip-top as I could get it before I handed it over to them and then they did like the the final touches and like the fine-tooth comb editing and all of that. So I hope after I've bragged like that, that there's no typos. <laughs> All books have typos. Anyone who tells you that they don't is a liar because <laughs> I have read lost count of the number of traditionally published books that I've read, which, you know, have yes. m- large, well-paid themes that have typos. So like a couple slipping through, it's just yeah. how it is. We can't don't hold ourselves to a higher it. standard than they do. Okay, so we are sort of coming up toward the end of our time. And so I want to ask you, or Shelly, do you want to ask? What? This is your the, thing. You would ask about the dog. Oh, the dog. <laughs> are we showing dog so, pictures? I'm in. So <laughs> do you have a picture of Anubis, your adorable German Shepherd? Oh, I have pictures. I have like albums. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel me. like we're already being denied an actual live dog on this I'm screen. sorry. That's He's not, not here. <laughs> She's a good podcast guest and made sure that she had a quiet space by not having the dog. And we're giving her. He has an Instagram. Can I plug his Instagram? Yes. What is his Instagram? Okay. His Instagram is Anubis, his name. So A N U B I S dot G Sheppo, G S H E. P-P-O dot P-N-W. That's his Instagram. He has over 2,000 followers and he follows back. So <laughs> of course he does. He's very polite. So here's okay. him So those sleeping. of you who are watching right now may be able to see a picture of Anubis. If you're not watching on the YouTubes, go check that out because there are actual photos being shown right now. As <laughs> if you can't go watch the YouTube because you're driving or whatever, then just remember you can go follow him on the Instagrams because we are going Aww. to as soon as this is over and we will put his handle in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> so that everyone can go follow Anubis. While you're at it, maybe go 
by finding Chaz. This dog is too cute. I can't handle his ears. Are killing <laughs> now, me. wait a minute. Is there a German Shepherd in the book? No, there's not. Oh, like, that's because when I started writing the the book, there I didn't have him. So She's gonna maybe need a good in dog. book two. Book two, Roxy adopts a German Shepherd. And his name is Anubis. Perfect. We're changing the plot on the fly. So after we all follow Anubis, where on the internet can people find you? So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Why did I think I forgot? Yeah, those are the three that I have. So Facebook and TikTok, author Anissa. And on Instagram, it's my first name, Anissa, uh, underscore last name, Asabi, on Instagram. So. All right. We will also put those links in the comments so uh, you can easily find all of her amazing things. Uh, but yeah, go follow Anubis. Also go follow Anissa. <laughs> and thank you for being here and talking to us about your book. I'm kind of intrigued now. Yes. So yeah, I'm probably going to go read it. It's what I do. I interview it people is. and I read their books. It's what I do. <laughs> Well, be Thank sure to so let much. me know and keep pushing through. Don't like shut down because Chaz is such a creep. That's my word of advice. <laughs> we will have faith in Chaz. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anissa. We appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Bye.